This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. So what's up, Hopeland Church? All right, we are diving into the Holy Word today. Okay, this is part two of the power of God. I hope you enjoyed last week. If you haven't, if you weren't here and you haven't listened to it or watched it, please go back and watch it. Um, It's going to truly give you some insight into the power of God. And we really just talked about the different aspects of God's power in our lives. And so even if you already, you were here, you have listened to it, I encourage you to listen to it again. Uh, the, the, when we defined all the different types of power, the Greek words for it, um, I, you know, I, I believe that will really um, encourage you and give you wisdom and, and revelation of how God works in our life through his power. Okay, so here it is, part two. We're jumping into this. I, I hope you were able to enjoy our time of worship and um, let's jump right in. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get into the word of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, today for everybody joining with us. Lord, I pray for people right now that are here, that are taking time to sit and to hear the word of God, to sit at your table. So I pray, Lord, as they sacrifice their time to hear from you, Lord, I pray that you respond to their worship, their sacrifice, and their attentiveness today to hear the word of God. I pray in Jesus' name, that that everybody's changed and transformed. Lord, that you do a new thing in us as a result of the word of God today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. All right, here we go. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 10. I just wanna open up with a couple verses out of Acts 10, speaking of Jesus and how he, when he walked the earth, operated in the power of God. And this word power we're gonna read here is uh, the Greek word dunamis which we all know, if you were here last week, dunamis power uh, speaks of innate power, inerrant power. Um, It speaks power in a thing by virtue of its nature. So the Holy Spirit in us is the dunamis power of God. Jesus was empowered when he walked the earth as a God-man to operate in the power of God. So here it is, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verses 36 to 38. Okay, Acts 10, verses 36 to 38, here we go. If you're with somebody, ask them, are you ready? Look back at them, say, ready, ready. Okay, ready, ready, here we go. Acts 10, 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, that word you know. Uh, Look at somebody and tell them, I know that word. I know that word, okay, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Verse 38, here we go. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power or dunamis. Look at somebody and tell them, or say it to yourself, say dunamis power, okay? 
with the Holy Spirit and with power or dunamis who went about doing good. And here we go. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Healed by the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis power of God, the anointing of God, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Okay, so what I want to talk about today is God's power to heal us, God's power to deliver us, God's power to sanctify us, okay? So the power of God here is correlated with healing and delivering us of the oppression of the devil, okay? And so the power of God is demonstrated in a moment, am I right, of salvation and the power of God is demonstrated in the process of sanctification, okay? So the power of God just isn't a moment. It is at times moments where he manifests himself, reveals himself, and in a moment heals you, delivers you, saves you, yes. But I'm here to encourage you, if you are walking with Jesus, the power of God just isn't about that story you tell about when you got saved or when you got healed. I'm here to tell you that the power of God is in you by the Holy Spirit. He has anointed you to deliver you, heal you, set you free within the process of your journey with God, right? So the power of God begins, right? And I'm, I'm just kind of laying a foundation here. It begins in the getting us out of Egypt or sin, but also the power of God is about us walking into the promised land, okay? So God's power um, is in you, toward you, and for you to walk in freedom, okay? So the power of God is for your continued healing, your continued deliverance, your continued spiritual growth. The power of God is in you. By the word of God, the spirit of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God, okay? In you, on you, toward you, and for you, for your continued mental health, your continued emotional health, your continued physical health in every aspect. So salvation, you know, confessing Christ, having a revelation of Jesus in a moment of your journey is the beginning of freedom, not the end of it. Can I get an amen, right? It's the beginning, but not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. This, this thing ain't over, right? So look, it. I don't just want to be forgiven. I want to be forgiven, but I don't just want to be forgiven. And I don't have to live with just being forgiven because of the cross and the blood of Jesus. I can live healed. I can live whole. I can live free. I can live delivered. I can live in the spirit. Am I right? So, so I don't just want to be forgiven. I want to be healed. I want to be set free. I want to be delivered. And I want to be whole in him. In him, we live and move and have our being. We can walk in divine health and healing. We can walk in divine revelation, right? Um, so, so I want my sins washed. Yes, 
Thank you, Lord. And, somebody say and. And, my soul healed and whole. Now, things happen in a moment. Miracles happen in a moment. But some things are a process. And the power of God is in the moment, but also in the process. Okay? The power of God is in our lives. God is in our lives to deliver us at times through a process, to heal us through the journey, in the journey of life, not just to save us. I heard one preacher say this before. I thought this was just a great example of being whole in God and receiving all that God died for you to have. Okay, so uh, like when, when the Bible talks about God wants to touch everything, like he is Lord, so that's everything, am I right? Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter five says that he desires that our whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless unto his coming, right? We, 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 when we say Lord, we mean Lord of everything, okay? And so that means God touching everything. So what what kind what happens with people in, in their walk with God or what how this preacher had said this I thought this was it was kind of comical but fascinating at the same time he was talking about the armor of God and so we got the helmet of salvation breastplate of righteousness our loins are girt about with truth we got the sword of the spirit the shield of faith our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and all that's just talking about overcoming the enemy being strong in the lord and and being victorious in and through prayer so so that in ephesians chapter 6 but he says a lot of christians they're saved so in the spirit all they have on is a helmet the helmet of salvation and and they they have not accessed are taken a hold of, their faith has not grabbed a hold of the power of God when it comes to righteousness, truth, evangelism, uh, engaging with the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, like, like God covers and died for every aspect of who we are in our life. And the power of God um, is in the moment of salvation but God wants his power to operate in every aspect of our life. We need to extend and release our faith in Christ and his blood and his work in our lives to touch and access everything in our life. Here is my first point, church. God heals us of oppression, okay? So we're gonna talk about this once again. My first point is this, God heals us of oppression. It says here in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, somebody say power, who went about doing good and healing. He went doing good and healing and healing and healing and healing. He healed and all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, okay? So uh, the word oppressed, oppressed or oppression in the Bible means this, okay? This is what the power of God is for in our life, okay? I wanna give you some tools. I wanna give you some weapons, some, some revelation, some insight into the word of God. This is who Jesus is in our life. He heals all who are oppressed, oppressed of the devil. It means to exercise rulership meaning Jesus walked into people's lives and the devil, the enemy, demonic spirits were exercising 
their rulership over them. And, and so that's what it means, exercise rulership, bringing someone down. This is it, this is key. That This word oppression means denying them the higher position or blessing they have a right to enjoy, okay? That's what oppression is. That's what the devil tries to do to us. And the power of God is in our lives to deliver us of that stuff. Denying them the higher position or blessing they should enjoy. Back to my first point. God heals us of oppression, okay? So in our process and journey with God, when we get saved, how many of you know out there, there is still work to be done, right? It is literally the beginning. We are positioned in Christ when we put our faith in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We, we have access to all the promises of God. And in our spirit, we are a new person. He has given us a new heart. We are a new creation. Uh, and, and that word new creation means actually new, a whole new species, right? We, we literally are a new person in Christ. Praise the Lord, okay? But with that... There's these other aspects of us that are still in a process. Can I get an amen? I wish that once I got saved, my mind was entirely renewed and I no longer had any strongholds at all in my mind. But it, I, 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 in the world and, 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 and the way of my thinking, my attitude and all that, I got saved but I still needed to walk out healing, some healing actualized in my mind, in my emotions. And, and this was a process. And this, there's a difference in the scripture between salvation and sanctification. Salvation is by grace through faith. Sanctification is the process of being purified and transformed in our emotions and our mind. This is a process and the power of God is in the process. Let's look at another verse and I wanna show you how the power of God is connected to the process of your sanctification, okay? So Acts chapter 26, verse 17, and we'll read through verse 18. So just two verses here. But somebody say this with me, say God heals us of oppression. So here it is, I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles. And so this is um, um, what God had done through the Apostle Paul. So he's just testifying of this. To whom I now send to you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power, somebody say power, of Satan to God. That's a exousia, which means authority. So when we get saved, the authority changes. We, Jesus is now Lord. The devil is no longer Lord of our life, okay? So, and from the power or exousia of Satan to the exousia or authority of God, we're no longer under his rule. We are under God's. We are positioned under God's rule. And, and they... And they may receive that they that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Somebody say, "Praise the Lord for salvation." 
forgiveness of sins, and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So this is, he's speaking like in a sense as Jesus, this is what Jesus had spoken to the apostle Paul. So, so, so here it is, at salvation we're forgiven, but there's a unique difference even in this verse between the forgiveness of sins and the sanctifying work of God um, um, transforming and changing us, right? So, so God saves us in a moment, but sanctifies us in areas of our life over time. So the word sanctify here, this is what it means, um, to purify internally by reformation of soul, okay? To purify. So, so our prayer is, Lord, Thank you for saving me. But God, I welcome your power, the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can be a partaker of the inheritance of those that are being sanctified. I'm sure if we could communicate right now together, we, we could talk about when you got saved and then there were things in your life that took time, that took some reading of the word and prayer and worship and pursuit of God and obedience that you started to get delivered of things and habits and ways of thinking and all that stuff. So, so, so I, and I personally understand this in my own journey with God. See, when I got saved, I was changed. Uh, my whole life shifted, okay? I was a teenager. My lifestyle changed, okay? My convictions changed. My values changed. My purpose changed. Something supernatural happened in my spirit, in my life. I was different. My friends, that they could see, man, Sean, is different now. He's a Christian now. Like I, I did change. I was supernaturally changed. But here it is. I, can I be honest with you? Um, that even after that moment, man, I still struggled with cussing. Man, I still had a potty mouth. My mouth was unclean. You know, the Bible says, you know, put away, you know, filthy communication from your mouth, right? Like, I, I, my mouth was filthy. I mean, I was a little better, but but I wasn't quite there yet, right? Um, so so I was being sanctified in that area. Okay, I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm just saying that is where I was. I was saved, but I was being sanctified. Okay, J just look at the children of Israel. Um, the Egypt represents the bondage to the devil and to sin. Uh, the Red Sea represents baptism. The wilderness represents sanctification, the process, and many of them did not make it. They did not allow God's work in them. It the next generation got to go. So, so that represents our journey, that, that, that some people get out of Egypt, get water baptized, but they don't get free. They don't get sanctified. They don't get delivered. They don't get healed. You know, they, they just... They're coming to church, but they're, but they're literally living in a spiritual wilderness their whole life. And this is part of the journey with God. I mean, if we could just be real, we know that salvation through, by grace through faith is the beginning. We know it's the be. I mean, we know, we, 
we, we all are still uh, walking through this element of sanctification. The power of God is there to sanctify us. Okay, so, so, and also some other things, like once I got saved, I could not talk about the things I went through as a child initially. I was still, I was, I, I was saved, man, but I was, I still struggled in, in, with that. It, it, I could not do it. I could not give, bring myself, there was still some shame involved in that, right? Now, now hear me out. I wasn't living in the shame. I wasn't in a dark place. But my healing has been a process. It has been a process. Okay, yeah, it is. I am, I am being sanctified. And, and if I could be honest with you, even after I got saved, when I initially got saved as a teenager, I still struggled with pornography. Still did. Still did. Was not proud of it. I was ashamed of it. I didn't want to do it, right? In a sense, like I, it wasn't like I was all uh, proud of it at all. But I still had strongholds in my mind and in my emotions, okay? I still dealt with a lot of identity issues, anger, and even, okay? This might sound a little intense for some of you, but, but this is true to my journey with God. Even when I would go to pray in the early days of my salvation, I remember, because I mean, I went through so much as a child. I had a lot of rage. And I remember even just going into prayer and I'd be grinding my teeth and I would rage would start to manifest in me. It was a little scary for me, but I'm like, Lord, what is this? Okay, God deliver me. Uh, what 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 kind of open door do I need to walk through? A, like I was going through a process of healing. I was being sanctified and the God, power of God was there for me. The power of God was there for me. Here's my next point. Here it is. This is what you do with all that. Take it all to Jesus, all right, all right? I'm gonna say it again, take it all to Jesus. All right, hallelujah. Somebody say the power of God is in my life right now, sanctifying me, delivering me of strongholds, setting me free of ungodliness, delivering me of ungodly habits. Say thank you, Jesus. The power of God by way of the Holy Spirit is in my life, delivering me, setting me free and making me whole in my mind and in my soul. In Jesus name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so check it out. Check it out, folks. God heals us of oppression. The, the power of God in healing from the dominion of the devil. So, so take it all to Jesus. Those struggles, those habits, sometimes people even, they're, they're walking with God, they're, they're, they, they love God, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're pursuing God, and then they'll notice like in their, in their dreams at times when, 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 they're, when you know, they're, they're a little more vulnerable and they notice like in their dreams, God can even reveal certain, certain things to them that, that may still have access to them. God will show you through the word, the open doors you have of the enemy. Come on now. We just got to be honest, okay? And we have to be honest with where we are. We've got to be real. We've got to be like, praise God. Look at, don't get this religious mindset. Well, I'm saved, so like I should be acting a certain way and being a certain way. And, and I got to kind of act like I am this type of person now that I am a quote unquote Christian. 
Now, yes, like um, we, the, the standard of God is there and his standard of holiness and we are an example and all that, yes, but don't allow the enemy or religion, that, 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 that spirit of religion, that, 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 that spirit of the enemy to cause you to not deal with your real issues because you're supposed to live up to some persona of what a Christian is. Like, let's just be real. Like, God sees it anyway. Let's say, God, I'm saved. Praise the Lord. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. I'm positioned in Christ. But Lord, this particular condition I'm in, I give it all to you. So here it is. Here's my next point, folks. Pride will keep you from freedom. Okay? Pride will keep you from freedom. Okay? Pride will keep you from sanctification. Pride will keep you from it. Sometimes we think we got to act a certain way or be a certain way. So it's like this pressure to fake it because of who people think we are, who, who we've said or tried to act how we are. Come on now. When it comes to dealing with issues, man, let's put it all out there. God sees it anyway. Let's be, let's get free. Come on now. There's no shame in sanctification. This is a beautiful thing. This is part of the journey and part of the process. Okay, I'm gonna read a, a, a portion of the book of Acts right now, okay? In Acts chapter eight. So if you wanna turn there, Acts chapter eight, we're gonna start in verse nine. And I'm gonna give you an example of this. It's, it's a lot of verses, but I, kinda, I want to read it to you, okay? I want you to see this, okay? So let's dive into this, all right? Acts chapter eight, starting in verse nine. The power of God is moving, moving in the book of Acts at this time. Okay, uh, the apostle Paul um, was ju just consented to the death of Stephen. So he's not the apostle Paul yet. He's Saul, right? And he's, he's, he's just wreaking havoc. He's going into houses, dragging them out, taking them to prison, killing Christians, just persecuting the church. So this is before his, 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 his God encounter on the way to Damascus. And so, uh, but revival is happening, meaning, you know, God is moving. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered. So there's a particular person here. It's just a powerful story of how you can be saved and walking with God and still need to deal with some stuff. So let's read it, okay? I'm gonna read Acts 8, verse nine, all the way to, my goodness, verse 23. We're gonna go, okay? So here we go. You guys ready? This is, this is we're having church right now and we're gonna read the Bible. So here it goes. But there was a certain man called Simon, Acts 8, verse nine, who previously practiced sorcery or magic in the city and astonished. Um, the King James Version doesn't use the word astonished. It's, it's actually the word bewitched, okay? So he's operating in a demonic spirit and he is doing demonic things spiritually, okay? So he astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he was someone great. So this is the thing. When people operate in that, it, it, look, at this shows you how demonic it is because it was about him and his greatness. So he's, he's doing these spiritual things, these demonic things, um, and and he's saying he's claiming that he's someone great, okay? To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, "This man is the great power of God." Okay, somebody say that's a devil. All right, verse eleven, and they and they heeded him because he had bewitched them or astonished them with his sorceries from a long time. Okay, this is he's doing this for for a while now. Verse twelve, but when they believed Philip as he preached. So this is Philip the evangelist. He is, he's out there preaching. This is after um, the, the church was dispersed because of the persecution. Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Praise the Lord. Somebody say salvation. Say salvation. 
say forgiveness. Hallelujah. They were baptized. Verse 13. Then Simon, man, the sorcerer, himself also believed. Somebody say he's a believer. And he was baptized. Somebody say he got baptized. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't that be awesome? Hallelujah. Have a baptism service. And man, a sorcerer believes and gets baptized. And he continued with Philip. So here it is. A dude used to be a sorcerer, committing all kind of demonic stuff, thinking he's great. And people are literally, in a sense, they're worshiping him. And he's like, yeah, I'm the man. Look at me. I got the power of God. And it was actually demonic, right? So he gets saved. He's a believer. And he's hanging out with church leaders. And, 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 was, and he was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, they sent Peter and John to them. So they sent leaders from the church in Jerusalem where the apostles were. When, 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 when the persecution happened and there was a, there was, uh, they started to, because of the persecution, they, they, they spread out and they just, they, they scattered. But the apostles did stay in Jerusalem, okay? So, but they came to Samaria because they heard of what God was doing. Verse 15, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they were saved, but they did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and so this, this was the, what happened with these people, the believers, okay? Um, I may teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit during this series, if we can fit it in. If not, I don't know. I might take a whole month and, and teach on it. But verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They were believed. Okay, I'm not going to talk about it now because it, it's a whole, I, I love to teach this, but I'll say quickly, they were saved and baptized in water, but they were not baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is some theologians call it the second work of grace. Um, the Spirit of God indwelled them because of salvation, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power to be a witness and in scripturally in the book of Acts, and you see it in the letters of Corinthians and Romans, um, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, many times when you see that, it's when the spiritual gifts begin to operate. Um, uh, as a result of being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Many times in the book of Acts, when God's people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they instantly spoke in tongues and prophesied. So another day. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Somebody say stronghold. <laughs> so the man is saved, he's a believer, he's baptized and he's hanging out with church folks. And he tried to buy the power of God with money. Somebody say he needs some help, right? He, he, wasn't, he was a believer. He got water baptized and he's hanging out with church leaders. He's up in the mix, but he still had some strongholds. Somebody say the man needs sanctification. Okay, verse 19 saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, but Peter said to him, here we go, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Verse 21, you have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. 
Verse 23, for I see that you are, look at this, man. Peter did not pull any punches. He said, you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Now, praise the Lord, the man got saved. Praise the Lord, he is in church, if I could say that, right? Because he went with Philip. He was, he was in community. He got water baptized, but he still had some strongholds. So the devil still was operating to some degree in the man's thinking and in his soul, okay? Doesn't mean he wasn't saved. It just means he needed to get delivered. It doesn't mean he wasn't saved. He just needed to go to that next level of healing and deliverance. I shared some of my own struggles after I got saved. And sometimes I think we feel like because we're saved, we shouldn't have any type of struggle. That's just not true. And it's not the reality of life. Okay, there is a difference between salvation and our position in Christ and then walking with God so we could get free in those other aspects of our being. Somebody say this when me, say the power of God is in me to deliver me, heal me, sanctify me, and make me one that can be a partaker of his holiness. Hallelujah. So there's a lot in that verse there. There's a lot of things he was dealing with. I mean, we could dive into these in detail. Man, this your wickedness. Now, I'm not here to say that, I know this is an extreme example. So you're like, Pastor Sean, you're talking about a sorcerer here. I, I, right, that was his residue. That was his issue. But, but let's not be religious and think that just because I'm saved and I go to church and I've been water baptized that I ain't got nothing that God needs to deal with. This has nothing to do with your identity, has nothing to do with your position, has nothing to do with you being the righteousness of God in Christ. It has everything to do with us submitting to the Lordship of Christ in the aspects of our mind and our soul. The Bible says he restores my soul. Restoration is messy. Restoration is a process. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our memory, our intellect. That needs time and process with God's word, his spirit, and our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us to, to, to speak truth to us as, as the apostle Peter spoke to this man. He needed correction, right, in his life. He, he wasn't, he, you know, and I think sometimes we think like that there needs to be this instantaneous, absolute um, change in every aspect of our life. That is not what it means to walk with Jesus, right? The Bible says in Romans, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing renewing, transformed is the word where you get the word uh, metamorphosis, okay? It's a Greek word and it's a process of change, right? In the mind, right? I had strongholds in my mind after I got saved. I, I, there, were, there were still open doors in my thinking, in my emotions. I, I, I was working out my salvation with fear and trembling. This is why identity is so important because when God starts to touch those areas, areas, we start to attach our identity to the struggle or to the ill or to the issue or to the habit. We, 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 we attach 
who we are to that. No, you in Christ are loved and beloved and you are in him and he is in you and you are a son of God. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of the most high. You're a holy nation, royal priesthood. Your position is of, you know, absolute total forgiveness and you have been given the power of God, the authority, the exousia to address the enemy. Um, Praise God for that. But when God touched this man's issues, his wickedness, his, he, the Bible says, Apostle Paul told him, man, you are poisoned with bitterness. My goodness, my goodness. It is possible to be saved, baptized, a believer in church, around leaders, and be poisoned by things. This is part of pastoring. I know this, I'm a pastor, right? I meet with people, I talk to people, I pray with people, I get text messages and phone calls. And just because they're saved and baptized and in church doesn't mean (laughs) they don't have issues. And he's like, man, you are bound by iniquity. My goodness. Apostle Peter wasn't playing. And then his response though was like, man, pray for me. So, so, so the, the scripture alludes to the fact that, man, this guy submitted this. This guy was like, hey, he didn't get prideful. He didn't go back into his weird witchcraft, sorcery, magic, demonic nonsense. He, 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 he asked for prayer. That's what he did. Read it. Acts chapter 8. He asked for prayer. So powerful. So powerful. So here it is, my next point. Here it is. Check this out. Correction brings deliverance. And this is the important aspect. If you just look at this, if you just unpack this, this man, Simon, this ex-sorcerer, this ex-sorcerer needed correction. Now, am I saying that all correction needs to be that extreme? No, but the principle is there. Am I right? The principle, he was chastened by somebody in community that cared about him, that didn't allow him to just act, just to continue to do that, to think like, no, you know, repent, turn from that. The power of God was present in community for this man to go to this, in a sense, like this next level of freedom and deliverance. And many of us in church, man, you, you know, and you're following God, you're still messing with demonic stuff. I don't know, the horoscopes, you know, involved in stuff, horoscopes, I don't know what, whatever else, um, any uh, anything from your past, um, you know, just uh, repent, turn from that, give it all to Jesus, lay that stuff down. Um, and it doesn't need to be anything overtly like demonic, um, you know, crystals. And you might even have like idols or like um, other things that have some demonic thing to it in your house. I don't know. Um, but but I, I'm saying get rid of that stuff. Get that stuff out of your house, uh, you know, um, or, or whatever kind of habits behind closed doors. What I'm saying is, is, is bring, talk to somebody you trust. Talk to somebody that, that, that'll pray with you. There's no shame in bringing your stuff to Jesus at all. There's shame in keeping it from him. That perpetuates shame, all right? So, so correction, correction brings deliverance. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, okay? Let me read this. Hebrews 12, verses 10 to 11. For they, for they indeed, for a few days, he's talking about our earthly fathers, 
chastened us as seemed best to them. All right, but he for our profit, here it is, that we may be partakers of his holiness. So correction, correction. So he's talking to the church and he's saying we need correction so we can be partakers of his holiness. What is this saying? Is this saying we're not righteous? Is this saying we're not loved by God? No, actually, God only chastens those he loves, actually. And actually chastening and correction is actually what, what is done to sons. You know, I chasten and correct my children because they're my children. I love them. It's part of the process of their growth. Same with us spiritually. That, that there's areas of my life that issues, ways of thinking, habits, maybe even open doors. We, we may even have open doors to the devil. We give him an open door through something in our life. And, and, and that, what does that tell us? We lack the, this area, this aspect of our life. We're not a partaker of his holiness. We gotta get rid of that unclean stuff. He, we have the power of God's in us to deliver us of unclean spirits. Verse 11, now no chastening, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Of course not, but painful. Yes, it is. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields, it yields, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Somebody say deliverance. It's not, look, it's talking about, it's talking to believers here. When we start to think we don't need anybody to speak into our life, we have it all together. We don't have any issues. I don't, I don't have any open doors in my life. I don't, I don't struggle with anything. Man, that right there is a recipe for the devil to wreak havoc in your life. The Bible says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm talking, I, I, I want to be delivered. I want the power of God in every aspect of my being, right? So, so it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So partakers of holiness, what is that? It's a process of sanctification, of going through God dealing, dealing, correcting us in areas of our life, all right? Correcting us in areas of our life. Okay, here it is. My last couple of verses, verse 12, look at this. Therefore, here it is. This is, this is where how it concludes. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Verse 12, Hebrews 12, 12. I'll read to verse 13. Therefore, strengthen, strength, what? Areas of your life. Strengthen the hands which hang down. You got areas of your life that are weak and the feeble knees. Look, and this is actually quoting um, a couple of verses actually from the Old Testament. It's, it's written in the Old Testament as well. So he's, he's pulling that from the Old Testament. But strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Somebody say, walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. So that what is lame, what is lame in my life now may not be dislocated, but what? Rather healed. Jesus went about doing good. Healing all who are oppressed of the devil. This is my last point. God's power is in your process. God's power is in your process. God bless you. I love you. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.